The following podcast, though presented by Tamed Idiots, is intended for mature audiences. The opinions presented in this podcast are not intended to sway anyone's opinions, as the people presenting them are kind of dumb. The topics that are presented and the opinions that are expressed are intended for entertainment purposes and should be considered satire. Some of these stories may be exaggerated. It's up to you to determine which ones. Though we are not professionals, we have a combined total of 240 years of being stupid. Please, do not try this at home. And please proceed with caution. Thanks for tuning in to the Absurdly Average Podcast. My name is Akil, and I'm joined today by the merry band of morons as we talk about and do, well, whatever the fuck we normally do, which is bitch, moan, and argue about fucking anything and everything. Today, I'm joined by Cotier, otherwise known as Mike, Spatuli, otherwise known as Tony, uh, Taylor, otherwise known as Biggin, and Jakob, otherwise known as Jakob. So, uh, real quick, I do want to do a couple of housekeeping things uh, while we get started. First, um, I want everybody who is listening to this, if you do have a Twitch, please go follow Jakob on Twitch. It's Y-A-H-C-O-O-B. The dude's a fucking monster when it comes to reviews about movies, TV shows, pop culture things, all that kind of shit. It's why we brought him in for this two-part episode, because honestly... We're going to need someone with some semblance of sanity to keep us fucking sane. I'm pretty sure I said the <laughs> S like 10,000 times, so just – But uh, on top of that – Yeah, not a problem. Uh, but on top of that, he also plays a fuck ton of Skyrim. He does Minecraft. He's a solid motherfucker. So uh, please make sure you do that. The second one, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please feel free to drop a rate and review. It doesn't really do anything like except help us grow, and that kind of growth allows us to do more in terms of helping children. So your help on those reviews was just, you know, it's astounding. So thank you, thank you, all of you. Uh, for the reviews, you know, you don't have to be like, hey, these guys suck or these guys are great. You can just tell us what your favorite fucking movie is or whatever. So without any further ado, we are all here to talk about movies. Now, if you listen to the past episodes, I have been teasing these this episode and next week's episode for a minute because Jakob was on vacation and out of country, but I wanted to save the big movie debate argument thing fuck shit for when Jakob was back in town. The reason why is because, again, the majority of us are a bunch of idiots, and we idiotically love the things that we rationally cannot explain why we love it. It's, it yeah, it literally just goes, I love this thing, fuck you, you're wrong. And that's about how it works. <laughs> but with Jakob now in the mix, it's going to be an entirely different animal because he might break our hopes and dreams on why the things that we love actually suck complete horseshit. But who knows? Maybe we'll be right, maybe we'll be wrong, but we're going to fucking find out. So the way that this works is... um. <laughs> Number one, we're going to go down the list as we talk about different things. If we spiral off into a fucking tangent, we spiral. That's just what happens. Uh, secondly, um, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, you're going to hear me refer to stream. And that is because I record all of these live on stream at Twitch at BrownLove010. And so because of that, I will be also reading out comments and things like that from stream as they give us their insight onto any of the memorable fuck shit that we talk about. So without any further ado, we're going to start just simply with your favorite movie of all time. Now, this isn't just a movie that you can watch over and over and over again. This isn't just, you know, a movie that you could smoke some weed and then, you know, veg out to or anything like that. This is the movie that above all else 
to you is the best movie, whether because it's the story, it's the animation, it's the, you know, uh, maybe it's the musical numbers, whatever the fuck it is, you need to make sure you tell us why this is your favorite movie of all time. Now, looking at the list, I'm actually first up. Uh, we are missing Yanni and Tony and Alan today. Uh, we are recording this right before Thanksgiving. And oh, last bit of housekeeping for those of you here in the States. Happy Thanksgiving tomorrow. Anyway, um, so my favorite movie of all time would be the movie Equilibrium. Um, it is, uh, oh my God, how do I forget the actor's name after it was just on, like, I was keeping his name on the back burner the entire time so I didn't forget. And the moment that I tried to recall it, my brain was like, fuck you! And I was like, well, all right, I guess I'll go fuck myself. Christian um, Bale. You mean Christian thank you. Bale, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, it's Christian Bale's breakout movie. And I love it. Um, I'm a huge uh, Equilibrium. Oh, right on. So Equilibrium, for those of you who don't know, is uh, basically a fusion of 1984 and Fahrenheit 451. It's got an amazing story that it tells along with very, very good fight scenes, really good action and gunplay. And honestly, it hits you right where it needs to in the fields without getting too preachy. Uh, to me, that's why it's my favorite movie of all time. I can sit there and just enjoy what it is that the movie is trying to tell you as well as get sucked into the action get sucked into the world where the grammaton cleric is the final arm of the law like the the ultimate like executioner of this this area and it's phenomenal so that's why for me the equilibrium is my favorite movie of all time what about you uh Cotier? favorite movie of all time yep. uh, is very very hard to say, uh, but if I had to narrow it down to just one, I would have to say The Princess Bride. Now, why is that your choice above all else? Everything about that movie is, like, from the like how well written it was to how well acted it was by every single character. And, like, every single character was memorable. Every single character was like unique and had great uh great character development i mean thinking of andre the giant like he spoke english but he couldn't read english they had to record his lines and give them to him with headphones on like a cassette player so that he could learn them that way and that's how he did it I had no idea that that was the case. Yeah, like he could Holy he, shit. He could, har he could hardly, if at all, read English at all. And so the, uh, Rob Reiner, the director, recorded his lines and gave them to him an hour before they, uh, they filmed his scenes. And he was able to just, like, listen to it for an hour, and then he knew the lines. You want to know a little fun fact, I guess? So I, uh... I did some consulting work for a law firm and a private investigator, and I was, you know, hanging out with the PI. And he's six nine, six ten. I'm yep. six four, right? And he told me one of the calls he got when he was working as a DEA agent was to respond to something that was happening at a bar. And the something that was happening at the bar was Andre the Giant at the bar. And like again, I'm pretty tall. This dude is taller than me. And he looked at me and goes, I'm not fucking with that man. Like, 
And I was like, dude, Andre you're the fucking... Giant was like seven foot six or seven foot eight. He's or something a like that. monster. He was he was like, he was a giant. It's let's, insane. Let's not let's not refer to him as a monster if we could. I mean, no, 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 no. I mean, like, in I, the, I know in what the most, you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. No, that's um, fair. Just in, in his honor, I would. Yeah, no, that's fair. Say he was a giant. Yeah, um, and like he's he's gigantic because the last person I met that was seven foot four, I came up to only their shoulder. So Seems I can't right. imagine how I would feel next to someone of the sheer enormity that is Andre the Giant. Like, fuck. And then but, when we take that and then mm-hmm. go on, and just to, uh, just to kind of finish my thought on to why Princess Bride is my favorite, and we'll uh, go on that other tangent if we want to uh, afterwards, uh, just because I don't want to miss it, and I'm, like, my brain's starting to kind of... No, do your thing, bit. do your thing. Um, so all of the actors... Uh, had somewhat of an established career before this movie, but every single one of them uh, who's alive today says that the princess bride was like the turning point of their career. And cause I mean, if you t- like look at like Mandy Patinkin, uh, Robin Wright, uh, you know, I mean, um, Billy Crystal was all and and his wife were already pretty famous in their own rights before they started doing this. Uh, Peter Falk again is another one who has had like an, a long and well established career before this movie, but they all did it because it was somewhat of a passion project for them, right? And knowing how much each and every one of them loved working on that movie makes me watch the movie with like different perspective. No, and I mean, I can understand that. And I absolutely, I love everything about that movie. And it is, (laughs) uh, one of my favorite stories, well, I've got a lot of favorite stories from that movie, but one of my favorite stories is the guy who wrote the book that the movie is based off of was on set as a consultant during the filming. And he knew everything that was going to happen because he, you know, helped work on the script and everything to make it workable. And they were, uh, they were on set in the in the forest, right? And they were about to encounter the rats of unusual size, when one of the geysers went up, and as planned, uh, Robin Wright's dress caught on fire, and the writer freaked out, even though he knew it was like he was so enthralled in the filming of it, and watching it unfold as they were filming. Then he's like, oh no, her dress! And it was just like, he like freaked out a little bit, even though he knew it was going to happen. It was great. Yeah, and like, I oh. feel like there's something, there's something different that happens when the people that are working on a project genuinely enjoy the project, and you, it, it translates on screen. So I, I, I can 100% respect that. Uh, Spatuli. I mean... Is it the Godfather? <laughs> uh yeah, I think it's uh The Godfather and then uh Goodfellas. Uh, Goodfellas is going to be the one that I was going to say. But yeah, I mean, look, it, to me it's just <sighs> The Godfather. I mean, I think Goodfellas did a depiction of the mafia a little bit better um than The Godfather. Um at least the American side of the mafia. The Godfather did a better job with the Sicilian side of the mafia, but um yeah, I mean, look, to me, those movies are fucking iconic. They're all undeniable. The acting is great. Agreed. Um, 
the soundtrack the, from the storyline. I mean, everything with those movies are like uh, flawless, basically, pretty much flawless. Now and, I do. Yeah, wanna... I, I was, I was, I, um, I actually have an interesting like point about Goodfellas. Um, by the way, um, it is, it is uh, not not a Goodfellas actually, The Godfather. Sorry, it's a very uh, good film. Obviously, um, Marlon Brando, obviously at his at his best. Um, so act acting wise, um, it's impeccable. Uh, di- di- direction as well. But there's an interesting story about the good uh, about the Godfather that I think uh, could you know uh, provide some kind of uh, relevance uh, to this podcast as well. Uh, Francis Ford uh, Coppola, who was the director and the creator of the Godfather, was actually in debt to the Italian mafia in uh, in the United States when the Godfather came out, and uh, the Godfather was uh, a movie that the Italian mafia, the real Italian mafia, had. Um, a certain interest in and were heavily involved in the production of, uh, at least in the writing phase, which I think is important to say as well, um, and something that the movie sometimes is criticized for, sometimes maybe it's not just critique, but um, um, but perhaps uh, a th- like a thing that lo- lots of people mention, that the, the script was very often... Um, like reviewed by mafia members in the United States, uh, exactly because they they had power over Francis Ford Coppola, the director himself. So it, it is uh, in a way like the view of the mafia through the mafia's eyes, which I think is interesting, um, but also like raises questions over perhaps um, some sort of like a, the, the corruption of. Um, of the artistic vision, you know. So it's important to say that, like, The Godfather was very much, um, like, mafia's view or mafia-approved view of how how everything worked. It's very focused on the family. It's very focused on the honorable parts about being in in a mafia. Whereas uh, Goodfellas, for instance is uh, purely um the work of scorsese uh scorsese sorry um you know it it came through straight through the artist's vision but the godfather was heavily heavily influenced by um the revision from the mafia well like it was so influenced and so revised that a lot of people don't know so gianni russo the guy who played uh carlo uh rizzi right he was in the mafia. He was never a made man. Or technically, he wasn't in the mafia, but he was a runner and a, semi-hitman for the mafia. He was a friend of mafia, ours. Right? Yes. And, um, so to speak. He is a family friend's brother. So, like, I'm talking oh, really? to him. So, yeah. So, it's kind of, um, I don't know. Obviously, I like him. I like him in the movie. So, it's kind of like almost a personal attachment to the movie as well. And obviously, he was in the movie before, way before I was fucking born. But... Um. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. I mean, it's like I, I fucking. I, and plus, mm-hmm. like, a, as an Italian, I literally, when I was a kid, I that was probably like one of the first five movies I ever watched, ever being on Earth. So, like, I've been watching it since I was less than a year old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. just like to me, it's just so nostalgic for me as well. So I'm like, it's just my, it's my. I, I guess it's my personal opus of a movie. 
Right, exactly. And I think that's like very important to bring up. Um, that's something that I wanted to talk about when when it, when it was my turn uh, about um, the, like my favorite movie of all time or whatever. Um, because it's a very difficult category to to kind of tackle, and I don't want to um, like I don't want to take my turn right now. I don't know if 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 uh, if it's if it's my turn to say my favorite movie right now, Akil. So not uh, technically no, because uh, Taylor <laughs> would be before you. But if we want to segue into yours and then come back to Taylor, that's fine too. Okay, okay. that's that's because, what I was going to interrupt think... and say real quick is that with the podcast, if you've got something to say and we're all running each other over, fuck it. Like that's right. that's what this is here for. We're not going to be all prim and proper. Loudest uh, person. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> no. But if you, if you got an idea that's in your head right now. Say it, because it could be it could be gold. So right, exactly. yeah. So I, 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 and yeah, my my to, take is very very simple on my favorite movie and stuff. So I'll yeah, go ahead. I, I can yeah, go yeah. for it. Okay, I I don't want to like step on anyone's toes or like be be like super like loud or anything. But I feel like in this instance, um, I think it's a good segue into what I think about this particular category, favorite movie of all time, because uh, like. You know, I, I'm, I, I try to look at movies, especially when I do my reviews and stream, I try to look at movies in a very critical and very analytical kind of way, uh, in a sense, like how I would write it, um, how like I would potentially direct it, how I would want the actors to act um, and all of that. But I, I don't think that this particular... Um, um, this 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 particular view on movies uh, really comes together with the with the category uh, favorite movies of all time. You Akil said that your favorite movie of all time is Equilibrium. It's a sci-fi movie. I haven't seen it, uh, but I brought it up uh, here on my IMDb. Um, and the barrack says that it's an oppressive future where all forms of feelings are illegal. A man in charge of enforcing the law rises to overthrow the system and state. And it's perhaps it speaks to you deeply. Perhaps. Um, because of you know your lived experience, and for Akil, Princess Bride, he said that uh, you know it, 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 there there is a connection to to him and and his uh, his youth perhaps. And then again, uh, Spatuli, uh, when you know he talked about the Godfather, he was looking at this, watching this film from when he was one year old. He has a connection to one of the one of the actors in there, and um, and you know his family or his lived experience as well. The thing is with favorite movie of all time i as like a very critical person and many people have told me that i just i, I have no chill when i talk about movies like i i say like this is shit this is horrendous this is like absolutely unacceptable you know i i tend to be very critical but when it comes to favorite movie movie of all time like an actual person's favorite movie it's it's something completely different because it's it's something that touches you deep inside and who the fuck am I or Isn't anybody else? Yeah, or yeah, or anybody else in this world? Uh, who the fuck are they to tell you that like this movie is not good enough to be your favorite movie? You know, a favorite somebody's favorite movie is so emotional and so like lived through and so um, so internal that it doesn't matter if if it's like poorly written, for example, or the d director like didn't properly do something or whatever it's very much about uh, about you and about your emotional attachment to it 
So, like, when somebody says favorite movie all time, I am tempted to say, like, for example, Shawshank Redemption, uh, which has a fantastic, wonderful story, and it's a wonderful film that I enjoy very much. But thinking about it in this kind of lens, I would say that my favorite movie is actually a movie called Pelishke, uh, which is a Czech movie from 1999. Um, the English translation would be Cozy Dance. And it's a movie that was never really never really took off in the global market or anything, but it was but it's very popular here in the Czech Republic and everybody knows the movie here in the Czech Republic. And it's 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 kind of it's a story that follows um a couple of families in one apartment building in the sixties, back during um the communist times, uh, during you know, totalitarian regime essentially and their lives under the communist regime and it kind of and it has this kind of dark humor um and also despair but at the same time laughing in the face of despair um which is like a very quintessentially czech thing to do you know uh czechs are the kind of people that would um just go for a beer and laugh and make jokes about how shit their lives are, essentially. And that's like very near and dear to, I, I, I would say, to the hearts of any Czech person. And uh, th this, this movie explores um, both the, the, the hope that came in the year 1968 and 69, and the crushing of that hope when the Soviet Union um, invaded uh, the Czechoslovakian Socialist Republic because we were thinking about some kind of revolution already in 1969, some kind of like easing of censorship, for example. And it's this kind of hope and this kind of thinking um, and jokes, but at the same time, like this, this despair and depression uh, and like overwhelming melancholy but at the same time it's a comedy uh so you know you're you're laughing in in a, in a very melancholic way and it's it's this kind of feeling that i feel is is, is so uh quintessential to any check so similar to any check and the reason why i want to say that now is because it ties very well to to, to this whole idea about a favorite movie of 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 whoever it's it's a very heartfelt very deep um kind of connection uh, always because when you think when you really really think whoever's whoever's listening and you guys when you really really think deeply about the movie that you like there's always some kind of emotional connection to it uh whether it be your nationality your lived experience your youth or your way of, of looking at life, your philosophy, it's um, it kind of like this category, this first category goes beyond um, the kind of shit that I talk about on stream, like the quality of writing or, or, or directing. It's, it's, it's something completely different, you know? Yeah, um, and I can, I can respect yeah. that. And like thinking about it even deeper, at least for me with equilibrium, like, you know, I have an entire background in human psychopathology, criminal justice, homeland security, and counterterrorism. And when you look at the, how this movie exists, um, 
I'm not kidding when I say it is a mashup of two books that everyone needs to read, which is 1984 and Fahrenheit 451. But like, yes, the action sequence are awesome. I can talk about them all day, right? The writing is phenomenal, whatever. But like looking at the way that, you know, this overarching, almost faceless government entity would exist to squash out whatever it needed to in order for people to thrive, it brings up questions that you end up addressing in like a junior or senior year or even a graduate class in psychology or sociology where it's like, what is it that you are willing to trade and or give up for the peaceful continuance of man? And, you know, thinking back to how Jakob broke it down to where it's like, hey, you know, there's a reason why you internalize your favorite movie of all time. I think that's that movie does it for me, and that's why I love it so much. It's because, you know, there's I'm not ever gonna, you know, sit there and side with like, all right, everything needs to be crushed in order for everything to succeed. But you look at the movie and then you look at the advancements that exist because X, Y, and Z were removed, and you're like, fuck. Like this this now becomes difficult because you don't have the you know man's inhumanity to man that exists anymore and is that a win by taking away people's emotions like do you do you really prosper as a society or are you even a society if you lose your ability to feel and so I highly recommend people to watch that movie, if only because I'm curious to hear people's feedback. And hopefully Spatuli will, or not Spatuli, Jakob will review that movie at some point, because now I'm really excited to see what his take would be. Um, Let's get to Taylor. What is yours and why? And then I've got one to read from chat from Dr. Ghoul, but go ahead. Uh, So mine, I don't really have like a deep connection meaning to it. But just, just my favorite movie of all time is Dazed and Confused, hands down. Um, when I watch movies, I I love comedies, like absolutely love comedies, and I I hate the fact that Hollywood nowadays doesn't do a whole lot of comedies anymore, and and not good ones. Um, well, because every every second movie is now just a superhero movie, and I'm like, come on. Well, they can't make comedies because they're afraid if they offend one person unintentionally that no one will watch, they'll get protested. So yeah, I, I mean, that's history, the biggest yeah. problem. They I mean, history in the world wouldn't exist these, uh, today. Yeah. Like, yeah, right? and, yeah. and 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 that's my thoughts exactly. I was trying not to directly say it just because I know we like to keep politics off out out of here. But yeah, you can't make comedies anymore because somebody's going to bitch about a joke that's in it and, you know, all that stuff. Mm. But I love comedies and I find myself rewatching those like dopey, like one of, I don't even call it like a guilty pleasure of mine. Just like, I want to turn something on that I can like laugh at. I loved, um, I've always called them like the raunchy teen comedies from like the late nineties, early two thousands, you know, the American pies the not another teen movies, um, you know, accepted movies like that. Like I love them and stuff, but dazed and confused is my end all be all favorite movie. Um, if I am flipping through the TV and it is on, you can, guarantee you that I'm not going to do shit that I need to do until that movie's over. Cause I'm going to sit down and finish watching it. 
Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's one of those things it, you look at like the era, especially for me being like growing up as a diehard car guy, watching that movie, you know, it's set in the seven, in the early seventies and all that stuff. So you're rolling around and they've got, you know, Trans Ams and Chevelles and, you know, the old C10 pickups and all that stuff, you know, like the cars, just the, the laid back vibes of the movie, you know, back when, you know, it was set with it being set in the seventies, you know, it was the start of that, like the hippie, like weed smoking era where everybody was just like, Hey man, what's going on, man? You know, and I, life was much simpler when we were all just getting high. Exactly. <laughs> yep. And like, you like, know, it's, yep. it's, it's, uh, Matthew McConaughey's first movie ever um it was one of ben affleck's first movies um and then a handful of other people but like those are the two that like stand out of just like oh you know like big stars and this was like their start um but that i just i absolutely love that movie no and that's that's completely fair i feel like you know whether or not you knew it or not uh, that personal connection that Jakob was talking about also came out when you were defining why you liked it. Like it brought you back yeah, to was, an era. Yeah, I was going to say as well, yeah. Yeah, it, it brought you back to an era where things were, I think simpler may be the wrong term. Maybe it's more comforting. Maybe, you know, it, it, it makes you feel a certain way. And, you know, whether or not you knew it going into why you picked that movie, you certainly explained exactly what Jakob was talking about. And so I think this applies to everybody who's listening and probably yelling at us in your car or wherever you are um, on like, no, I don't have this kind of connection to a movie. Talk about it out loud. Yeah. See what happens. Well, and, and, um, and it was it was one of those things like you look back to like the 60s and the 70s and stuff. Um, and, you know, I mean, I'm by no means am I being like, oh, that was the perfect time. You know, we should go back to this, you know, I, no, there was, you know, there was all kind of shit going on back then that was wrong and all that stuff. But like, like I said, growing up as a car guy throughout like my teen years were like the early to mid 2000s. Um, there wasn't, you know, Chevrolet quit making the Camaro in 2002. Um, but you had like the Camaro and the Mustang Dodge had nothing except for like the Dodge stealth. And all that was, was a rebranded Mitsubishi. Um, and, and, you know, obviously you had the Corvettes and the Vipers, but there wasn't that like that hot rotting era of like, you could take anything. Cause you know, back then you could take a, a four door family car and Chevrolet and Buick and all them were shoving big blocks into them from the factory, you know? So anything with a couple tweets could be made into a hot rod and, and, and the simpler on the mechanical side, you know, you can, you can fix these all up and, you know, you can build speed, build power, you know, very simply, you can make tweaks and all that stuff. And, and like, I missed that. That, no, and, and it was before the time before everybody figured out fucking drug tests. So <laughs> there is that. And I mean, it brings me back to when we talked about cars, which might be something we talk about at some other point on the podcast. But like, you know, when we when we were talking about cars, engines, modifications, all that kind of things, like hearing you guys get so passionate about something that I personally don't. I, I can't relate to because I'm not nearly as big as a you know gearhead like you guys. Like it's really fun because you know 
maybe maybe it's a me thing, but I like to experience things through the eyes of other people. So like hearing you guys talk about cars and like, you know, we can, you know, shove this big ass engine in this fucking car. Fuck it. Let's go like that to me. I'm just sitting here enjoying it because like, you know, it's just fun to, I don't know, be near someone else's happiness. And I'm about that. So yeah, absolutely. Well, and that, um, and, and now, that, that was why I fell in love with the early Fast and the Furious movies. Well, yeah, because they were possible. Because in yeah. Fast and Furious 37 or whatever the fuck we're on, yeah. like you know, you're not going to space with this, you know, space tank or whatever the hell is happening. I didn't even watch the new yeah. one. Like, like I, 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 think, I think the oh. last one I watched was the last one that uh, Paul Walker was in. Uh, I think I watched, and, and even then, I was kind of falling out of love with the franchise and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I loved just like the. You know, Fast and the Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, and um, especially Tokyo Drift, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, Tokyo like, Drift, I feel like, did a good job of, like, um, embracing the car culture in an entirely different country. And I can appreciate the fuck out of that. Yeah, well, Tokyo Drift come out before, like, right on that cusp of drifting becoming something that was wide known in America. It's like yeah. an, it was like a motorsport, and, like, there was actually Americans doing it, you know. But yep. me being the fucking car guy that I was, you know, and, and, and an anime fan, you know, I, I'd watched Initial D years ago and like I True. knew what drifting was because I loved the Japanese car scene um, right? and all that. So like to see that movie, it was pretty cool to put everything into perspective. But like those are the best three. To me, those are the best three Fast and the Furious movies because it was about the it was almost that small scale. Like you, you weren't running around in like the Lycan hypersport, you know. We they weren't showcasing a car that they made seven of in the world in this movie, or like Bugattis, or you know, LP Lamborghinis and stuff like that. Nah, man, it was RX7s and 240s and Honda Civics, and yeah, it was, it was the shit. everyman car. Yeah, it was that shit that you could afford. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I'm going to check chat real quick and read Dr. Ghoul's response to the favorite movie of all time. Uh, so Dr. Ghoul said, if I must have only one, that I will go with Ridley Scott's Alien. For me, from the cold, quiet opening of full, uh, full of empty space and the strange sound to the final moments with Ripley and Jones in the hypersleep capsule in the shuttle, the movie absolutely entrances me. It gives me a grimy alternate to the Enterprise, a beat up old truck of a ship held together with duct tape and staples being sent to do a rescue the truckers aren't trained for and extremely bad things happen. It was my in introduction to H.R. Geiger. What more needs to be said? Ron Cobb, the master designer of the Nostromo work, and it was a rusty old bastard of a ship, but Geiger owned that film. Uh, and also Dr. Ghoul ended up saying if I had to leave uh, Bride of Frankenstein or Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas or Wizard of Speed and Time, I couldn't abandon Alien. And that's completely fair. Oh, Alien, God. when Alien dropped, Vegas, I absolutely love that movie. Such a good movie. Such a good movie. Johnny Depp did such a fucking good job. And Johnny Depp himself him. is just a phenomenal actor. Yeah, like, I one hundred percent agree. Um, but I will say, like Alien, and they they Actually, recreated it, Johnny, because it's right. Um, it's not 
it's not often that you find any kind of video game that can capture the feeling that you get from a movie or vice versa. And in fact, like movies that come out of video games rarely ever do it justice. So like, whatever, fight me. Um, but Why? I will say like the alien, the alien game that I played, I think it was, um, I forget what the name of the game was. I did play it on stream though. Um, that same sense of dark, grimy dread is is perfectly encapsulated and mimics exactly what you feel when you're watching that movie. Like, and then when you hear the xenomorph crawling through the vents and shit, like isolation, that's what it's called. Thank you, Dr. Ghoul. Um, like it is, it is to me one for one recreating that feeling you got when you watch the movie, except now you're the one on the ship. You're the one having to, uh, you know, you see the xenomorph drop down and you're like freaking the fuck out. It's very well done. So just a plug for Alien Isolation. If you haven't played it, go play it. Great game. Um, now, the next thing I want to get into is the favorite series of movies. Now, I do expect fighting to start happening from here forward because, again, you know, Jakob made the point that favorite movie of all time, like, it's personal. It's hard to really quantify or fight someone on why a movie is the favorite for someone or whatever. But from here forward, I'm sure we're going to start fighting. Uh, so the next one that we're going to talk about is your favorite movie series of all time and why. Now, I might have to think about this a little bit um, I because uh, I – okay. As I've said before on previous episodes of this podcast, whether we talked about TV shows uh, in passing or we talked about movies in passing or whatever, I don't watch enough. And it's not that I don't want to. I just don't have the fucking time. Um, and so I got to think back to like basically what I have seen and pick from there onto what my favorite series is. But as I'm fighting myself in my own brain, like I want to be like, oh my God, Lord of the Rings. But I'm like, uh, Lord of the Rings also left out so much, you know? And then I want to be like, oh, Harry Potter. But then again, same thing. And so like, you guys got to give me a second for that one. So while I'm thinking, uh, Kotir, if you want to go and, uh, tell us what your favorite movie series is, uh, go for it. Yeah, right on. So, my favorite movie series of all time, I would say, is probably going to be Star Wars. And I know everybody's going to bitch and complain about like, out. all of the <laughs> like, uh, like the the sequel trilogy, and you can bitch and complain about it all you want, but you're not going to change my mind. I liked them, whether you like it or not. Too fucking bad. Um, I enjoyed them, uh, thoroughly. I, you know... So, here's a hot like, take on the sequel trilogy. Um. Okay. They were good movies. They weren't good Star Wars movies. Again, agree to disagree. So, wait, now, wait, wait, wait. When you're talking about the prequels, you're talking okay. about one, two, three, no, 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 not... No, 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 I said No, sequel. he's talking about the sequel, he's talking about the sequel trilogy. The, the most, seven, eight, nine, right? Yes. Or one, two, three. Uh, seven, eight, seven, eight, nine. nine. That's the sequel trilogy. Okay, cool. Yep. Then okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. So again, um I enjoyed the Star Wars movies. I enjoyed the sequel trilogy. I'm gonna say it no once and I'll say it again. Uh the Star Star Wars fans ruined Star Wars. And that's a hill I'm willing to die on. Um I just like, I can agree with you with that, where it's like, you know, no matter what turn uh, Star Wars takes, 
it's someone someone is going to be so loud and galvanize so many other people that they're going to be mad about a thing right but for seven eight and nine there's so much that like because and i don't know if i can blame the writers i mean the writers did have a pissing match between each other the producers had a pissing match between each other back and forth on like who can be the best instead of hey let's tell a really good narrative um but honestly like you know the way that episode one two and three captured me at least and then the way that seven eight and nine existed like it just felt as though there was so much on cg and there was less that had to do with the canon and again, Disney is partially responsible for this because Disney obliterated the canon during this this time. So I can't 100% put it on just, hey, Star Wars. But there's just... I mean, for those of you who don't know, Kotier and I go back a long way when it comes yep. to Star Wars. Um, and like, you know... Back, okay. I'm it gonna, was back I'm gonna... when I was in middle school. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get back to to a couple of things because this is where actually what you're about to say is gonna touch severely on what I'm talking about. Yeah, go for it. So, Star Wars holds a very significant spot in my heart because of several things. One, uh, it was the first sci-fi movie that I ever saw. The very first sci-fi movie I ever saw was. Empire Strikes Back. And, like, I didn't even, like, I, I was six years old. It was on TV, and I remember sitting there watching it with my mom. And, like, I can't, like, uh, Carrie Fisher was my very first crush ever. Absolutely understandable, um, man. She's a fucking... Always our princess. Yes. She's hot. always our princess. Uh, Like, she was my very first crush. She was, like, I saw, like, when I saw her stand up to Vader in A New Hope, right? Uh, sorry, my very first Star Wars movie was A New Hope. I was six. It was on TV, and it was, like, uh, just after, just around uh, Return of the Jedi, I believe. Um, and it was, and I was sitting there with my mom. And uh, when I saw, like, Oh, what's fuck? Give me a minute. Right, so Jedi came out in '83. I was six uh, in '88, and it was the first time that A New Hope was on TV. I was on the couch with mom, saw Darth Vader for the first time, like just in the openings of the movie, and I I was I was scared. I was terrified when I saw him. I was more afraid of Darth Vader than I was of my dad. And now you became a Sith Lord. I mean, see? And things come full circle. Exactly. So, like, I was absolutely terrified of him. And when Leia stood up to him and essentially told him, go fuck yourself, was the single most, like, that moment defines my, like, that's that point in time is where my love for sci-fi was born in that like first like couple of scenes of of a new hope or of star wars as it was called then it wasn't called a new hope until like 98 or something but you know what i mean so like 
I Star Wars. If it wasn't for Star Wars, I wouldn't be here right now talking to you guys. Yeah, I mean, and that's all of that's my, fair. All of the closest friends that I have, for the most part, with the exception of Doctor Ghoul over here, um, like, like, except for Doctor Ghoul and a couple of people here in my city that I'm in, who I'm mm-hmm. really close with, like. Star Wars is where I've got all of my friends. Our, our friend Sarah, as you know. Yep. Um, you know, Tom. Yeah. Fucking Casey. I don't know if you guys still talk or not, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But like all of these people who I hold very dear to my heart. And and I say every time I log out, I always say it's like I love you guys. Yep. And I do because I love you guys. You know, yeah. you guys are my friends. And it's the same thing with, with all of them, like Tom and Casey and Sarah, they're all closer to me than family, you know? No, and, and, and the thing is, I can respect that. Uh, Dr. Ghoul did want to call out the massacre of Vader, though, in the newest ones, and see your thoughts on that. Uh, it didn't do any harsh service, because... Or Rogue One, at least. In Rogue, in Rogue One, it didn't do a harsh service, to be honest, because it, cause everything leading up to that was it. Uh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't her. She's not my friend. Uh, we, I will not talk about that on the podcast anyways. Uh, and if you want to not mention that name or anything like that in the podcast too, Akil, I much appreciate it. Gotcha. Um, no, uh, Sarah is a friend of mine. She lives in New York. Uh, she's someone who I love very deeply and she's one of the best people that I know. Yeah. Um, now and, I... Uh, sorry. I want to ask. No, I want to ask though. Like, because again, one huge Star Wars nerd to another. Like, of course. For me, you know, there's. It's the same way that I view video games. And like, if anyone has paid attention to either the podcast or the stream for all of like you know forty seconds, you'll know that right now I am cackling at watching Blizzard burn or Blizzard Activision oh, burn. Um, and like. You know, these production houses have to be held accountable to their people, not only for the disservices and abuses that they have on their staff, but also releasing subpar garbage and expecting people to just, you know, effectively bend over and take that product like you don't have a choice. And so for me, I don't hate the new 7, 8 and 9 because I'm hating 7, 8 and 9. I hate 7, 8, and 9 because while they are Star Wars movies, while they do try and continue on this story of effectively, you know, one family just raw dog in the universe for a hundred some odd years or whatever the fuck it is. Like, the problem I have with it is that whether it's Disney or whether it's the writers or whoever it was, right, there's so much that it seemed as though whether they were pandering or they were trying to shove uh, a romantic interest down your throat, whatever it is, right? The only canon that I can see that I, you know, whatever, because again, we're going to get into some, some deep Star Wars lore here, but like, you know, Princess Leia, she actually trained as a Jedi as well. She yeah, arguably was... As strong, if not stronger, than Luke, right? Yeah. Um, so her entire thing when she went out in space and didn't just immediately just whatever, like, I get it. I get why that is a problem. But that's, of all of the things to be mad at in the movie, that's not one of mine, right? It just seems as though, like, 
the movies were almost a campy answer to what Star Wars fans were either bitching about or wanting. And the production team or the writers or whoever it was, they couldn't fall back on things that were actually canon and then removed from canon because of Disney and had to almost be like, all right, we got to pull this out of our ass just to sell an IP and sell some toys because now Disney owns us. So we need to sell Kylo Ren masks. We need to sell lightsabers. Like they did the whole Disney treatment to Star Wars. And to me, as someone that loves Star Wars, you don't do that. Like you don't merchandise off one of the greatest like IPs that's out there. And you don't do a disservice to the fans by garbage ass writing. Well, the CG was there; it was beautiful. It was that. so yeah. To, to and, that's, and, I, and, and I can appreciate like your your take on that, and I get it. And I can and I agree. I don't like the commercialization of that entire fucking thing. I really don't. Right. But I'm gonna say, like, I still enjoyed them as Star Wars movies. You know, merchandising and romance bullshit aside. Right. Because, again, I get it. I'm not going to fucking say that I don't. But I don't know, man. I just so, I fucking love. So my just, issue. I love it, man. With the sequel trilogy. And see, I caught a lot of flight because I absolutely love the prequel trilogy. I do. Oh, same like, here. Everybody, you know, everybody's like, oh, the prequel trilogy is trash. I'm like, man, shut up. They were great movies. Like There was a couple of things that I don't agree with, obviously. Um, um, you know. But. So my issue with the sequel trilogies is if you take the original trilogy and write an overview for each movie, like a, a synopsis, and take out character names, right? There's going to be the exact same synopsis. Four and seven are the same. Five and eight are the same. And six and nine are the same. It's like they were like... It was almost like they wanted to do a half-ass reboot on the original trilogy. The, the, the prequel trilogy told its own story. Like, we knew where it was going. Like, we knew where the storyline was going to go. Right. But they did a good job of, like, this is what happens along the way. And it's like they did with Rogue One. You know, like, you sat down to watch Rogue One as a Star Wars fan. And you, you've almost got this, I shouldn't get invested in any of these characters because none of them exist anymore. You know, like, you know that there is no possible way that any of these people survive this because we know how A New Hope starts. You know? So, but in still, at the end of that movie, I was like, holy shit. You know, and I loved Rogue One, but the sequel trilogy—I absolutely loved Rogue One as well. They had the opportunity to take Star Wars and expand upon it and make it something even bigger than it already was. And all they did was do a half-ass reboot of the original trilogy. I so hated I read, the fact that I read an article about that. And and uh, to answer the question, it did not uh, work. I kill. Uh, it's still there, but I digress. Um, I read an article about it, and I've got it saved on my computer somewhere, and I will happily send it to you. Uh, which kind of tears apart how people see that. It kind of like says, you know, I get what you're saying, but here's why that's a bullshit argument. 
and it's very long, and I'm not going to fucking read it to you guys. Yeah. Well, that, that that was just my observation. Like, As a fan of watching those movies, that was, to me, you know, it, it was, that was what I saw. Um, I hated the fact of, we're going to dig up Palpatine to be the big bad at the end. I right. did like the planet, the, the inner rim. Uh, I can't remember what they called it in the movies, but... It's essentially, if you look into like old Republic lore, um, it's that was an existing planet and stuff like that. And they they kind of Disney went in and was like, all right, all of this isn't canon anymore. And then they just kind of like nitpick certain things that other people had created throughout the years of the Star Wars fandom, changed a little bit on it, and was like, yes, this is this is it. This is us now. You know. And that was a little thing that irritated me because, and the reason that Star Wars isn't going to be my number one favorite series is because most of my love of Star Wars, I love the movies, don't get me wrong, like I, I, I watch them all day every day, but my favorite part of Star Wars is the Old Republic. And I, I agree. Like that's I, my favorite era as well. I want lie. to see something done with the old Republic, and it's just like everybody refuses to. Hey, Akil, where do you want me to post the link to this? Uh, go ahead and you can drop it in the in the general chat. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you know that right. that was that that was one thing that irritated me is you saw a lot of stuff that mm. you were like, oh. Well, they just basically decanonized all these other people's works, picked and chose certain things, changed it just a little bit, and then called it their own. Right. You know, like the, 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 I'm the, not like what Palpatine was, spewing. like I said, was the Sith Temple and like the inner rim, and you couldn't go to the inner rim because of the hyperspace lanes and all that stuff. Well, that existed in previous canon. If you read the tri- the Bane trilogy, Bane actually goes to one of those Sith temples when he is expanding his knowledge of the dark side. When you know, yep. in between of, in between when he wipes out the old Sith order, and is you know learning himself and everything, he goes to <clears throat> one of those temples. And I'm like, you basically just ripped that off right there from. Bane's backstory, but you you're like, oh no, this that isn't canon anymore. But that but this is our thing now, and it was just, it, you know it's just a Sith temple, and I was like, you know, cool and all that stuff. But like, it that's one thing that irritated me is I could sit through that movie and watched. I'm like, oh, you know, it's that old joke of like, you know, can I copy your homework? Yeah, but just change it up a little bit to make it look like it's a little bit different. That's what Disney did with a lot of the expanded universe. And I think made. that's that's where my biggest problem comes in. It's it's the bastardization of what exists or existed and now exists again, I guess, um, with Star Wars and what they had to work with once Disney said, fuck it. And so maybe, maybe my hatred for 7, 8, and 9 should be more placed at the feet of Disney instead of just those three movies. Kathleen Kennedy. Well, my second thing is like looking at the success of things like Mandalorian or Star Wars Rebels or Star Wars Clone Wars or whatever. Like all there are Kathleen Kennedy had no hand in. 
Right. And now that they have, um, now that they have, uh, oh my God, why can't I remember their names? Dave Filoni and um, John John Favreau. Thank you. Now that we have both of them as this juggernaut behind the Star Wars universe, I think we're going to be fine. I think what, at least to me, we had to suffer seven, eight, and nine in order for Disney to realize they need to quit sticking Mickey Mouse ears on fucking everything and back the fuck off of an incredibly beautiful franchise and so many stories and books and everything. And I think with those two now at the helm, it's going to get so much better. But we had to see how bad of a i don't, I don't want to flop i guess is what i'm gonna call it i know mike's not gonna agree with me but you know of the nine movies we had to see that you know seven eight and nine suffered because of disney's fucking meddling in order to now get proper people to direct and run star wars as a whole yeah so as a consumer for Star Wars and as someone who loves Star Wars and has matured a little bit, not a lot, not a lot, but it, to me, that means that I'm willing to take that on the chin as a consumer for it, if only because we're going to get so many better projects from here forward. So, fine. And I, 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 think, I, I think Filoni and Farvo are working on decanonizing the sequel trilogy. I, I, I have... No concrete proof of that. There's not been anything said. It's just kind of a bit of a like a fan theory thing. But I think that's what they're working on. And I say that because both you and Kotera will both know. Um, you've probably both seen Rebels, so you know what the world between worlds is. Yep. So the title card, when they announced the Ahsoka series is it the her name and then all the graphics behind it is like the diagram for the world between worlds i'm hoping it is if only because it unlocks so much potential exactly and- but i think and again fan theory it's something me and a couple buddies that have talked about but i think because they i know for a fact they've been on the record of both feloni and favro are we're not happy with the sequel trilogy um and I think that's what's going to happen. And I, yeah. I, can't, I can't prove that. Don't take anything I say, you know, take everything I say with a grain of salt, but that's just a theory of mine. Well, and that's the thing. Like, if they if they decide to do it, and, and like, kind of the way that Marvel has done it with the different worlds or timelines or whatever. Yeah, the multiverse. Yep. I think if Star Wars moves in that direction to basically almost excommunicate and then rewrite in the vision of those two, I think we might see a very good course correction in at least finishing off the nine movies with a, a, a good little bow and then leaving it. Just let it be, you know, but that's just me. Um, but I can say, like, I can totally relate to having that kind of emotional attachment with Star Wars, which is why I'm pretty sure sometime soon, maybe, maybe. Uh, we might do just like a one off episode on straight up Star Wars, because if you couldn't tell. Like we can do this yeah, oh, I on can, I Star can Wars, yeah. Like I, I, yeah. Dude, if, uh, if y'all, want dude, to... I'm so lost. <laughs> I'm so lost, dude. No, hey, no lie, no yeah, lie. Yeah, you uh, and me both, bro. You and me both. Koter, Akil, uh, if y'all want 
like it, it don't even have to be on stream we can do like a bonus episode you know like a saturday or a sunday or something that all i'd be of down us with that free. i'd be down with just talking about it to be honest because yeah. again star yeah. wars is like no and favorite. i mean like i feel like one oh, thing boy. i need to do is uh potentially create a uh a patreon or something like that for donations that way we can use the donations to either upgrade equipment or donate to children or whatever but you know that if we hit a particular Patreon goal, then we could do like um, an extra Star Wars episode and then focus on one thing in Star Wars where it's like lightsabers. And because I, I promise to fuck you out of this podcast and stream, we could we could do just an episode on lightsabers and we would fill up hours on just lightsabers like. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> we, so, we, we could we, we could do we, we could do an eight hour talked- you and I have already talked hours about. <laughs> we, look, we could we Let's could no honest. lie do an eight hour show on Star Wars and never once talk about the movies themselves. There is yeah, so, exactly. That's There's what I try so to tell much. people. There is so much in the expanded universe um, that you could go on. You know, I mean, you know, the the old Republic that ever you know you, you'll hear diehard fans talk about was two thousand years. Yep. Before um the movies that you know. And there is so much lore that goes into that. And yeah, even I'll, even uh, even d- d- didn't the expanded universe go like a thousand years past the end of six in the future? I think so. I was gonna say I think so, but then again, like I I don't have access to all my books and shit anymore, so it's it's gonna be a minute. Um, also, real quick, let me check chat because Doctor Ghoul did say, as far as Star Wars goes, my favorite Star Wars books are Brian Daly's Han Solo trilogy. As far as I'm concerned, that and Splinter of the Mind's Eye should be made to take the Disney taste away, and I can agree with that. Um, I will also say, if we're gonna talk about just a standalone movie, that uh, um, what do you call it? I don't know. It's no solo solo was a good standalone movie it did a really good job at telling the story same with rogue one i know people like to shit all over both of them but i think that that more individual stories need to be made see i've never uh, heard anybody shit on rogue one i've heard oh yeah, dude there he is. it's it's there and i've gotten into it with people who claim that they're like star wars buffs and shit and i'm like oh like do you want to have this out because i i'm here like don't for those of you who are friends with friends with me on Facebook, I'll get into it with anybody about anything. <laughs> but if you do it with Star Wars, I will tear you apart. So, yeah. But all of that said, I did finally find um, my, my tr- uh, series of movies that I like. And it's a very nostalgic one for me. There have been flops in the franchise. and the I, I, I guess that's done talking about mine. Oh, no, you're good. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, I also don't like the newest iteration of the the thing in my franchise. So the favorite series of movies for me is James Bond. Um, I remember going to every movie theater like as they released and going with my mom and my dad to watch James Bond. And we would watch all of them. And it was awesome. That's what my because, you know, that was my dad's favorite thing was Bond. And we bonded. <laughs> Oh, you're can't. I realize uh, we're can't. I'm, gonna get, <laughs> I'm just gonna get deleted out of my own podcast. <laughs> like, um, 
But no, like, you know, my dad and I, we really, really enjoyed it. Like, it got me talking to my dad about things like firearms, which, for those of you who don't know, I fucking love firearms. My dad, being an immigrant to this country, um, and then where he lived prior, was not a, not a really big fan of firearms. And so, like, you know, it helped bridge gaps between my dad's generation and where he grew up and his experiences and then mine. And so because of all of that, like, you know, it James Bond was a great thing. Uh, you had legendary actors like uh, uh, Sean Connery, right? Like, mm. you know, all of that. Now, granted, right now, I'm not the biggest fan of Daniel Craig as James Bond. Uh, I don't like that James Bond is more of a, like, will just run up and punch you in the face and then keep moving. Like, that entire idea of that suave, manly man kind of thing, uh, like, it, it went from the manly man in terms of, you know, the way you dress, the way you carry yourself, the way you speak to other people, like, that ability to almost be a rogue, if you will now into a barbarian and i can't i can't vibe with this barbarian variant of james bond i just i can't yeah but, and like the other ahead. issue with james bond as well like now that we're talking about it and i've, I've been talking about it as well on uh, on my streams um like not only that not only is he a barbarian like there's no elegance anymore to his character this he's he's also like a superhero now you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's connected to perhaps the um, general feeling in, in, in like the population of, of like, like the popularity of superheroes like Marvel superheroes and, and whatever. Um, but he's he just he, he can just do like anything he like, you know, in the past. In many other James Bond movies, and I've been talking to this, uh, to talking about this with my friend, with with whom we make uh, movies, um, it's like you know, in in the past, James Bond would would very often get lucky. You know, he would he would come up with something on the spot, and it wouldn't be it it wouldn't be like perfectly executed. Um, you know, he would he would be losing at at some point, and then like at, at, eventually he will win, but it would be like like barely. You know, like it's it's somewhat uh, like it's somewhat fun. It's I mean, it's maybe not it's 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 maybe not realistic, right? But like it, it's more human. You know, right now James Bond, Daniel Craig just jumps into a helicopter, literally fucking drives a fucking plane uh, down onto um, fleeing cars down a mountain uh, in Spectre, uh, I believe. Yep. And it's it, even in the new James Bond, like in in the No Time to Die one, it's just <laughs> he can do fucking anything. Okay, it's 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 crazy. It's yeah. And I like it has no it doesn't it has no elegance it has no um it has no heart you know yeah, that's and, the issue and that's the thing like it it went from being James Bond to basically James Bourne identity like you know <laughs> or because it, it's not even James Wick like at least John Wick has like you know even though he's very well trained and everything like that like you know there is a stark difference with how John Wick will get in and out of situations 
and how much, I guess, damage that he will take for, you know, putting himself in situations. Whereas New James Bond, it's just, it's, to me, they're just selling an action movie and they paint it over the front of it with a 007. It's, but to me, the Daniel Craig James Bonds are just not, they're not what they used to be. And again, I'm going to toss out Casino Royale from the old ones because that one you need to smoke a, like, you need to do a lot of drugs to understand none of it. Like, the old Casino Royale definitely was a flop. I didn't like it. I, I didn't understand it. Nothing about that old one made any sense whatsoever. Uh, and then in reference to James Bond, uh, Dr. Ghoul did say James Bond movies are fun, but I just prefer the villains over the hero. That's why I love the video game. Evil genius where you can be the master and the villain and maybe strap Bond to a missile and shoot him into orbit. And yeah, exactly. Like There was always a feeling in the old James Bonds where like, you know, if Bond did not do this thing, or if he did, as Jakob said, if he didn't get lucky or whatever it is, shit would go absolutely sideways. And they had really good bad guys too. Even, even in, um, I think it was the world is not enough where the dude got diamonds blasted into his face. Uh, like these are iconic villains that while some of them may seem silly or whatever, you still remember them. And that's the, to me, that tells me a lot about a good action movie where you remember the good guy, but you definitely are imprinted by the bad guy. Like they leave a memory. And so the new James Bonds just don't do that. It's all a bunch of explosions. And they're effectively to me, they're fast and furiousing the shit out of James Bond. And it's going downhill way too fast. Like they need to not do that. Please go back to whatever the old recipe was. Give me the suave, just gentlemanly, manly man, instead of the super buff, I'm going to crash through a wall because I, I can hulk through shit, and I, I wear a suit, and that works. Like, don't, well, don't do that. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen because that, I know. that doesn't make money. I know. And I Well, it, I it, the, it. The, thing, the, thing, the thing with money, right, it's, it's um, and like, I didn't want to like, lay into it too much because clearly it's Gautier's favorite franchise and, you know, it, he has a big connection to it, but like to me it's the same thing with star wars you know it's i don't think it's about like if if we actually made like some kind of original content uh, it wouldn't make money it's rather that there is a risk involved and from the business point of view since we have this fucking incredible franchise that we can capitalize upon uh, why take the risk if we can just shit out some nostalgic simple bullshit and it will like enough people will go on it anyway you know why bother making something new something original um and not capitalizing purely on the nostalgia because that's like that's a guaranteed paycheck for everyone whilst um making something new out of it is risky and many people may not like it it may not go down well, you know, it's it's something else. But if you make uh, like a heavily nostalgic uh, film riddled with liberal ideals, uh, you will get um, top marks by the critics and everybody's going to go see it because top marks by the critics plus nostalgia equals incredible amounts of money. But know? I think the real issue now is unfortunately... Um, all the nostalgia, in my opinion, is mostly 
in the in the American market. And I know for a fact Disney does not pertain to the American market anymore. They gave a fuck about it because that's like ten percent of their profits. So what they in my opinion, what Disney is doing, because you can see with Marvel, and obviously you see with Star Wars, even though with Star Wars, I think they're at a, they're they're on a turning point because if Disney treats Star Wars like they do Marvel, the fans will be fucking extremely happy, and then everybody gets a piece of the pie, right? But if we look at Disney's motto, they're like, oh, okay, well, we'll kind of we'll act like we're, we're pertaining to the American market, so they'll go see it. But they're like, ah, we really don't care because we know we can make money in other markets tenfold. So to me, their views on it, at the end of the day, if the story is a cool story to them, it's whatever. As long as they know they can make money, that's all they care about. And unfortunately, that's true. Yeah, and I mean, like, you can see it in, uh, especially in projects like Star Wars, where you had to have someone, or two someones in this case, that absolutely shattered the mold to prove to Disney that if you stick to like the lore, the canon, whatever, you can turn an incredibly big profit and also keep true to the fans, the stories, things like that. You don't need to pander. And I think that's that's where Disney lost a lot of people in 7, 8, and 9, comparative to when you see the success of things like Mandalorian, which now has spun off into the Book of Fett, which is allowing for other TV shows to come through. And so I think with the Bond franchise, if there was some sort of you know rebel against the cause um, and did their own variant of like a Bond TV show, if you will, like fucking pick it up HBO or uh, ABC, <laughs> like give me give me like a Bond origins, like give me where like what the selection process is to become or get that designation of 007 or the double O. Right. Give me more of the backstory on the rift because uh, they covered it in the old movies between 006 and 007. Like, but give us more of that. I promise you that people will flock to that over regurgitating just this. Again, I'm just going to call it the bond identity here because that's what it is. Um, and like, just give us something good, please. Like, quit shitting on my nostalgia. I hate you. And also, if we're talking about people that are just making money off of, uh, uh, profiting off of nostalgia, fuck you, Destiny. Anyway, um, so that's mine. I also saw Yanni jumped in. Yanni, are you here? Yeah, I said how to him Yes, really I exist. Listen. Oh, there he is. Okay, so let's catch Yanni up real quick. Um, again, just the voice of God. Um, hey. Let's get your favorite movie of all time and then your favorite movie series. Okay, so I can't really conclude... Uh... Well, okay, I can't actually give you my favorite movie of all time. It's Blade Runner 2049. Valid. I have I have never seen a movie look so gorgeous that you don't even notice and be so well directed that you don't even notice the long pauses in between the dialogue. You just you pick up on the subtleties when you rewatch it and and you're like, "What? I didn't even notice that." And the story, it subverts everything about modern cinema and I fucking love it. And then okay. my favorite my favorite movie series, my favorite action series is actually Mad Max. Ooh, fair. And uh, I I, I kind of want to get into that. So obviously, me I I am I'm a car guy a lot like my brothers, and 
Mad Max is a good balance of just this kind of lone hero against a crazy world. And uh, part of part of the appeal is how it uses cars. And when I watched the first movie as an adult and I heard them talking about horsepowers in terms of how much it puts to the wheels, I knew part of the script was written by a car guy. And that made me excited because I knew the subject matter was being treated a lot better than, say, the idiots that wrote half of the uh, Fast and the Furious. And then, well, yeah, because in the Fast and the Furious, all you need to do is keep shifting, and yeah, keep you're, shifting you'll just and go faster. Well, I'm, shots no, of I'm, pedal, shots of clutch, <laughs> maybe I'm, an engine CGI shot. Boom! I'm we have car to die. Figure out in First Fast and the Furious how danger to intake manifold caused the floor pan to shoot out of the car. Because, because, because you know, car stuff, guys. Come on, gosh, come on. The answer to all of this is just nos. I like how it doesn't even specify which manifold. It's just manifold danger. Yeah, it doesn't say. It doesn't say intake, exhaust, like what? It's just manifold. Hold on. All right, I'm I'm gonna clear this up right now. Do not call it nos anymore. Nos is a brand. I'm saying. I'm saying that's what they did in the movie. No, I know. But I'm just saying for future reference, everybody. Don't don't call it NOS. NOS nitrous. is a brand uh, of nitrous. Yeah. It is nitrous. Call it nitrous oxide. But don't call it the full name because you'll confuse more people than that. Yeah. But yeah, No, no, no. You use the car guy term and call it giggle juice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that too. <laughs> giggle juice, laughing gas. Yep. It worked. Yep. My uh, favorite thing to say about somebody with a with a high, like, you know, big nitrous car is like, that motherfucker's got enough giggle juice in there to damn fill a dentist office. I mean, that's go go-go, fast. go-go juice is also that a great go-go one, juice. Yep. Yeah, go-go juice. That go-go Again, juice is just I, fuel. Period. I'm in a I'm in I'm in a, a part of Georgia where like um like that stereotype of riced out cars exists all like <laughs> everywhere. So like you you can hear it, and at times I look at the cars that are on the street, and I'm like. <gasps> Oh man, like this thing's about to just go for 47 minutes because apparently that's the gearbox that everybody thinks you need that doesn't exist. Like, oh, it's such a pain in the ass. Yeah, no, pe- so people you, people uh, around have... Atlanta think you have to keep it in the power band in on 285 in traffic. Like, you, <laughs> no, we got Atlanta we, we got it. We got to keep this motor in the power band right here. We we cannot no, let it get no. out. Like, I'll tell you, especially so. if you're gonna if you're gonna go fast in Georgia traffic, it's not about speed. You need to know how to deal with traffic. If you can do that, you will beat everybody. I'm not saying race your cars in traffic. There is. There is a warning at the top of the stream. Don't do that. Uh, or podcast, whatever. There's a there is a warning said by Yanni on how to not do things. Don't do that. But if Just you basically were, don't listen to us. Yeah, don't listen to us. But be safe if you decide to be stupid. Yeah, I think I can. Yeah, that's yeah, I can say that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Racing that. in Atlanta <laughs> isn't a drag race. This is this is Le Mans here. You you gotta it's go. Fucking... You gotta go up for the distance, and you gotta know how to turn that thing. <laughs> or yeah, you just really be like me in Atlanta attention. traffic, and I'm just in a big truck, and I cut my blinker on, and you get three to four blinks, and then I'm coming over. Yeah, the other thing is like it you got to Tyson your way through Atlanta traffic. You bob and weave. You don't uh yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't I you don't... I I have I've also learned that when it comes to Atlanta traffic, if you try to if you're in the left lane and you're just going along barreling like 75 trying to keep pace with people in front of you, 
I've learned that you're, you're, it's best to do that when you're not in the middle of traffic, like after school, after work traffic. Because if you try to go through those middle and right lanes and try to weave your way through, it's going to be superfluous and you're going to be right back to the left lane. Yeah, not to mention like a soccer mom in the SUV will go ahead and total your shit just because you decided to quote unquote merge. Like don't, don't, don't play with Atlanta uh, suburban soccer moms. They'll, <laughs> they'll wreck your shit. Uh, but, um, did you have anything else for your favorite series, Yanni? Uh, so yeah, uh, Mad Max also does what Blade Runner did, and it was bring back a classic title with a really good movie. Like, I, I do, I do think Fury Road was one of the best of the entire series, and one of the best, and probably the best movie of the year it came out. Shout out to Shalice Theron, bro. Absolutely. That's, yep. She can get it. (laughs) <laughs> don't this stop is basically it. podcast it. after dark um but yeah but, Pat, but yeah favorite series mad max because of how much passion they had and how good it was what how good it was written and blade runner for being my blade runner 2049 for being my favorite movie because all the elements just worked no and that's that's completely fair um not to mention like if you ever want to see the difference between a level one bard and a level 20 bard a level 20 bard you'll see in Mad Max. Like, a level 1 bard is just, you know, I guess... <laughs> oh, yeah, no, literally the start of Fury Road, the guy, the fucking guy with the flame guitar. Yeah, that is level a level 20 bard. 20 bard. Absolutely. <laughs> um, now, let's get to Spatuli for your favorite series of movies and why. Well, my favorite series of movies, as of right now, has to be, well, probably will be for a long time, is John Wick. From the cinematography to the way he actually uses guns, from just just down to the finest details of how any object around you can kill up to ten people or more at any given time, it makes it the fucking one of the best series ever made. Period. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Yeah, and no, I can from, agree with that. From an entertainment span, a standpoint. In an action movie standpoint, it's pretty unbeatable. I think the only ones before that that were that well received were just it was The Matrix, which is again Keanu. Keanu Reeves. So Keanu can do no wrong here. But see, like John Wick, you know, it's got cars, it's got horses, it's got guns, it's got killing people, it's got knives, swords, everything, bro. It's literally everything you want in an action movie, you got it. No, no, no. American Dream, man. It's the American Dream. It has a fucking pencil. That's what it has. (laughs) Like, and and honestly, the John Wick lore is really, really good. But if anyone goes to, uh, if you go to YouTube and you look up uh, Keanu Reeves training on the range for John Wick, like, he's phenomenal. Like, oh my God, Keanu's discipline behind a, a gun is amazing. I. I fell yeah. in love watching him do, uh, run drills. Like, yeah. it was so good. And that's the thing. I A lot of movies, um, and uh, Ari can tell you, because I do it all the time now, um, one of the biggest things for gun folk like myself was, mm-hmm. you know, this movie is accurate to the firearm, which a lot of movies don't do that. Like, you get someone who's like, oh, hey, this is a prop gun. Here you go. And then they CG the effects and everything like that. And you're thinking to yourself, shouldn't this motherfucker have reloaded by now? Like, this, is, <laughs> this isn't some Extendo Clippo, bro, which it hurt me to say that, by the way. Extendo I, Mago, magazine. or Extendo Clippo, cuz. 
Yeah, exactly. That's the reference I was going for. Um, but like, you know, you're you're sitting there, and if you have any, you know, decent firearms knowledge, you're like, wait a minute, this, this legitimately doesn't exist. Like, there's no way that you got, you know, forty seven thousand shots out of a mag that holds sixteen at most. Like, whereas John Wick, I'm sitting there and I'm counting, and I'm like. Oh shit, he's about to reload. Babe, 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 babe. He's about to reload. And he fucking reloads. And I'm like, oh, he did it. Like they do, they do so much to the honesty of a firearm in that movie. Um, and the way he treats the firearms is phenomenal. So, like, if for any other reason, because John Wick has a lot of a lot of selling points there, but like for a gun nut like myself. It's definitely one of the only movies that holds true to firearms being firearms, period. So, yeah. Um, but I didn't mean to run you over. Keep going. I mean, no, you pretty much summed it up for me. I mean, <laughs> it's just – and also, like well, like you were saying before, the lore that people really don't get into that much because they think, oh, it's just an action movie. But, like, just that fucking hotel, right? That has so much lore within it, it's ridiculous. And how it's like a no-kill zone. If you kill zone, you get fucking you get excommunicado. So it's just like I don't yeah. know. I fuck and I think too it's one of the only movies or one of the few movies that the main character actually gets hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not like he shrugs it off either. Like when he gets hurt, he's hurt. Unlike again, the James Bond kind of oh no, I got hurt. Okay, I, I shook it off. I didn't even address it. Whatever. We're moving forward. Respect to that. Go ahead. Sorry. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's just it's so compelling. If you like action movies compared to anything that's out there now or before, that was missing something. Or it just wasn't quite quite right. I think John Wick is just the total fucking package of what an action movie for adults should be. Yeah, because I mean, as much as I like the Boondock Saints, and I do, like, there's still a lot that you're like, ah. as far as the gunplay goes or things like that. Like, the writing was still amazing to me. But like, you know... If you're comparing a action movie to an action movie, which I don't know, I guess the Boondock Saints is an action movie, right? It's not like an action comedy. It's just straight up action movie, uh, which if I'm wrong, let me know. Like, you know, you guys know how this podcast works. We yell at each other. So feel free. But yeah, like, uh, go ahead. Yeah, might, might as well. Like now, now that you said writing, you kind of kind of summoned me, I suppose. Uh, yeah, Boondock Saints is definitely an action movie. And like thinking about John Wick. Like I understand, you know, uh, the kind of fascination with gunplay and <laughs> all of that. Or I suppose, like, I I understand it from your point of view as well. Uh, for for me as a European, like, it doesn't hold that much weight, I suppose. But when it comes to writing, like, for me, John Wick is is like, uh, I don't know, like above above average uh, in terms of uh, action movie. Uh, what what takes it down for me is writing, which I consider in this movie to be mediocre. Um, you know, like it, it's not it's not bad, it's not like great. You know, it's a it's a nice it's a cool shootout movie. You know, but for me, it's like I, I don't see 
I, I don't see like a greater message. Perhaps I don't see like a like a proper character development. John Wick is a cool dude, you know, Baba Yaga and all that, and it's cool shit, you know, it's spectacle and all of that. But um, you know, I, I don't see any depth in it. It's like it, it gets you going, you know. Like I, I think about number one, obviously, when his. I don't think this is a spoiler at this point, you know, John Wick number one, uh, when his dog is killed and he goes on, on like, vengeance, and I watch it, and uh, even though I tend to be quite analytical, I also am completely, like, on on board, and I'm like, oh, no, fuck this, fuck these guys, he, they killed a dog, motherfuckers, I, I, I want them to fucking die, and, I'm, and I really get into it, you know. So the movie is successful in, in, in bringing me in, and um, feeling like good about all the cool scenes and everything like that, but I finish watching it and I forget about it. Like I don't care anymore. Like it's 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 cool and like it's a cool experience for the two hours or however long the runtime is. Uh, but then like it doesn't stay with me at all. You know, I I don't learn anything from it. I don't feel anything uh, watching it except for except for like the momentary need for vengeance. Uh, and like the amazement at cinematography, which truly is exceptional in John Wick, and I love it very much. Um, but when it comes to the writing, it, nothing stays with me. You know, it, it's 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 it, it, there's no depth to me for for now, me. Now I wonder if they release a John Wick prequel movie that shows. Uh, what John had to do to get out of the... It's the Russian Mafia, right? That he that he was with when, uh, yeah, when he heard Yeah, Baba it was Yaga. Russian Mafia, yeah. Yeah, um, so I wonder if they do a prequel movie to go over, like, the 100 kills or however many it was that he had to do to earn his freedom from the Russian mob. Like, and you get to learn how he got the nickname Baba Yaga. You got... Or Baba Yaga. Uh, but, like, if you... If they do all of that and kind of go back in one of the movies and talk about it, I wonder if that may add the depth that you're looking for. Mm, mm, I don't know. Like, I, it, for me, it's not that much about the lore. The lore is fine, and I like mm -hmm. the lore, as, as, you, as you said, like with the hotel and everything. Uh, for me, it's more about the character development and like for example the true motivations of for example like why he went into this life why would he kill people for money uh what's what's in it like for him you know why do something like that is it because like he's deeply troubled from his past is it because uh this is the only thing that he's good at and he has like in, an insatiable ambition to uh follow through to, to to be good at something for example um like that's the kind of thing that would give give it depth for me it's um it's more about the different characters and like in particular john wick and their motivations uh going beyond like the immediate need to seek vengeance uh it's it's what makes them human to me you know what what um what i would learn about them sitting with them for a couple hours over beer uh like how I would think about them, like what what this what kind of path this person is on and why. That is the kind of depth that I'm that I would be looking for. And by the way, now that we talked about Baba Yaga as well, uh, it's very interesting. I don't know if I ever mentioned it on uh, on this stream, but uh, 
Baba Yaga, I, <laughs> I kind of, uh, I, I laughed a little bit when I heard it um, because Baba Yaga doesn't mean the boogeyman in Russian. Uh, we have Baba Yaga in the Czech mythology as well, and Baba Yaga is an old witch in the forest. She doesn't. Yeah, she, she's the crone that has the house on chicken legs, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's, that's her. That's her. Yeah. But, so that's quite surprising. That they they chose that one. Isn't it so? Also, isn't it also that there's not just one Baba Yaga? No, in in like the Slavic mythology, there is like Baba Yaga. Literally means like Baba is like like a word for grandma or like an old woman. Well, yeah, and like, yeah. I, I, knew the, I knew the translation and a little bit of the mythos, but I thought that I'd read somewheres or heard somebody talking about, like, that Baba Yaga was, there were sisters, and they were all referred to as Baba Yaga. I'm going to point out something that uh, Gould said. I'm pretty sure that this series about movies is going to be for, like, the next, like, four weeks. <laughs> Honestly, Here, like... Because we're only on number two, and it's already quarter to nine, yeah. quarter to eight. There, it's y'all. Quarter to, quarter to two a.m. over here. Oh <laughs> shit! Been at this for oh, yeah, and it's so fucking like, work week, dude. Holy oh, shit! Not, not for us Americans. We have Thanksgiving, <laughs> yeah. and most of us. I don't stupid. know about you guys, but I got I got Friday off, so I, I was about to say I don't go back to work until next Monday. So, <laughs> yo, I won. Me but, and my fucking European time, dude. No, but it's all good <laughs> because you have you have holiday. We don't have that here. <laughs> That's speak, true. Speak That's for true. yourself. I have <laughs> I have phenomenal vacation time where I'm at. Yeah, but can you take it all off at one time? That's the problem. Yes, I can. Oh, oh I have oh. so many political ideas now. We need to make a political podcast at some point, Akil. Oh god. <laughs> like if you know, I will say this, like I genuinely you... think we would all kill each other because No, no, I think so look, if, if if we could keep it civil and factual, then there shouldn't be a problem because in my opinion, there shouldn't be a personal emotion within proper debates. It should yeah, be facts and very rhetoric. True. That's it. Honestly, Jakob, like if you uh, we can also do that as, again, like the idea of doing the Star Wars extra episodes for Patreon or whatever. I think we could do like uh, episodes for Patreon donors only that we cover uh, like political discourse or whatever, because there's stuff that happens um, overseas. Like I've got buddies in Poland, actually, and they're dealing with some crazy shit right now. Um, like there's a there's a lot, and we can discuss it, but I don't want to do it on the main podcast. I think oh, if that so, becomes a so. thing, I think that if that becomes a thing, we'll do it as a a bonus episode for the like unlockable only by those who are uh, Patreon supporters. Which yeah yeah, that sounds set one of those up. so yeah, I'm down I'm down with that idea. But um, holy shit, who are we on? Uh, we were on Spatuli, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so is that everything about John Wick? Uh, yeah, I mean. I- and then getting back to what Jakob was saying um, about the depth of story, I understand, but I think the real problem is, especially when it comes to a true wall-to-wall action movies, that in order for them to actually do that properly, it would be a four-hour movie. Now, I would love that. I don't give a shit if, an, if a movie's five hours. I'd sit there and watch it if I enjoy it. But to the average consumer, anything above two hours and like 20 minutes, they're like, oh, no, fuck this. 
Whatever, well, man. Well, I, like, I, I, I have think... gotten so many people converted onto um, uh, Indian um. movies or Hindi movies, and mm. Hindi movies are like three and a half hours long. Well, I'll oh, dude, I'll... Yo, sp- speaking of freaking Hindi movies, bro, I watched a spoof on Ted called Teddy, and it was the most weird thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Dude, uh, I watched a, I watched a Bollywood action movie where a guy flipped a jeep by doing nothing but smacking the driver, and it was the okay. greatest thing I've ever. So, dude, no, no, the movie yeah, I'm talking about is like a it's a Bollywood version of Ted, and it's the trippiest shit in the world. So the ones that are like too uh, wild or too bonkers or whatever, um, those are known as Tamil movies. Uh, they're not Bollywood. And so, um, like, South Indian movies are generally the ones that are absolutely insane. Like, there's one where uh, it's almost like this RoboCop kind of dude uh, uses some sort of magnetic magnetic power and gets all of the police YouTube, officers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, he like, that is a Tamil movie. Uh, the same with um, uh, some sort of Indian film where it was a bunch of dudes holding shields and they all, like, wrapped around each other to make, like, this giant cannonball and they were trebucheted into the enemy castle and they rolled in <laughs> and then started fighting right like the the absolute insanity if you want to differentiate between a tamil movie and a uh, a bollywood movie that's it if it's wild and insane because the cg is absolutely insane or you know there's something bonkers like that those are tamil movies uh whereas like with hindi movies um it's more song and dance because there's no romance that ever gets shown. Um, and there is, you know, like stereotypical movie tropes that exist for three hours, but, you know, done very comedically and colorfully and stuff like that. So just to make sure I throw that differentiation out there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. One thing I wanted to say about John Wick, and I think I think it comes down to like, Jakob's view on it versus like all of ours, um, except maybe I get that a lot, yeah. Except <laughs> maybe Coter is it's a cultural thing. It is no, and, it absolutely and, is. I absolutely and, love the John Wick movies, and and, and Americans like Americans love that. Like you don't have to have a good story in an action movie as long as the action is good, and Americans love the gunplay in John Wick. It's like what Akil was talking about. And and it's it is so authentic in John Wick because John Wick or Keanu Reeves has went through the training. He has went through full mm. tactical training. There is videos mm. online of him running like a three gun course. And you're just like, I watched that as an enthu- like a firearms enthusiast and a gun guy that loves, you know, shooting, target shooting, all right. that stuff. And I'm like he is a hundred times better at that, like IRL, than I will ever be. Like it's not mm. just, oh, he it looks cool for camera. No, Keanu Reeves knows how to shoot, and he knows how to, you know, carry a gun, and he knows what you have to do for like in the moment tactical reloads and stuff like that. And I think that's why Americans love john wick so much hmm. yeah, well, I, think, yeah I, think, just, I, think, uh, I think it's a good point to bring up um as well uh like definitely with the gunplay but i don't want to misrepresent perhaps like you know my my culture or my people um just just so you guys know and perhaps the listeners as well uh i definitely don't speak for 
like the average Czech or the average European person. Uh, action movies are ex- extremely popular here as well, uh, from Die Hard to John Wick. Uh, it's it, like when I when I say like that this is not enough for me that I want more depth. I'm speaking more from like uh, I must I must admit that I'm a little bit of an elitist when it comes to like writing and and like movies and all kinds of art. Um, I'm trying to work on that myself, but uh, it, it, the, these are like my opinions. But like John Wick is extremely popular, and I absolutely respect uh, the kind of um, movie that, that they that, that it is, and it is extraordinarily popular here in the Czech Republic as well yeah. with many many people. And I venture to say that most Czechs would not agree with me with my takes. Yeah. You know that like it, like they they would. They would love the movie for the action and the spectacle that it is just just as much as Americans would, like, yeah. completely this, the same way. They perhaps wouldn't uh, focus that much on the gunplay because, again, uh, we don't have the kind of gun culture that you have, uh, for better or for worse. Um, but, um, but yeah, like, when it comes to, like, the, the depth that I was talking about, that, that those are, like, purely my opinions. I don't want to, I don't want to misrepresent my own, my own yeah. people, my own well, culture. And th- that was, that was kind of like uh, Expendables as well. Like, Expendables, the story of Expendables, like, the writing and stuff on it, like, was 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 not great. Like, it was about as bare bones of yeah, a, of yeah. a, of a, of a action movie as you could get. But that movie just got so popular because everybody was like, wait, 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 wait. Like, you've got all, like, all those 80s action heroes. Fucking like, Chuck like, Norris with yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh my god, you got, right? You, that you, was yeah. you know, there was, there was Bruce Willis, Schwarzenegger, yeah. you know, Jason Staten. Um, Chuck Norris making Chuck Norris jokes. Yeah, you know I mean? Stallone, Chuck Norris. You know, you <laughs> had all up. these just massive yeah. action stars. And, you know, Dolph Lundgren, Jet Li. Exactly. And all yeah. that stuff. You didn't need good writing in that. Like, you had to have <laughs> adequate writing you know but yeah well, like, that's yeah. all it you know had like, to like that's that's, that's exactly the thing you know i'm just saying that like my adequate is <laughs> is somewhere else but it's that's it's just that's just on me uh and like expandables were it was really popular here and like talking about the culture as well like chuck norris jokes like you know chuck norris uh, uh can cure cancer with uh, uh with his tears it's a shame that he never cries those kind of jokes fucking love uh, those by the way yeah. yeah, those those are so universal that I I knew those jokes and I could recite those jokes when I was a kid before I knew who Chuck Norris was in yeah. Czech. I wrote those. I I read those. Uh, I I read those jokes in Czech. Like they are very popular in the Czech Republic as well. And like, I, like I, that. I, that's I, how universal it is. I understand. Like, I guess. I guess the biggest thing, the point that I get at and and i'm not like discrediting your point you you are from what i understand and what of kill has told us is you are like a movie critic you know that's that's what you do but i think like the vast majority of like the population and stuff like on an action movie i i, I don't need intricate storylines when i watch an action movie and I, and i don't think most people do you know, I know that is something that you look at on a movie. Like, you want to see the writing, the cinematography, mm. and all that stuff. And, you know, but I think like the, the, the general gist of the population is like, ooh, they're going to make stuff go boom. 
<laughs> monkey Hot brain, mon monkey brain, light stuff. On boom. One, depending on how far we're going to record, yeah. by the way, I think we should all come up with our favorite Chuck Norris fact. <laughs> Ooh, real yeah. or fake? Oh, and like I, I want, I want to reply as well. Like the fake ones, obviously. Uh, to what you said, um, like yeah, and like I, I, I want to say that I don't like I don't view this as like something. Um, that would hold no value at all, and like I, I don't, I don't want, I don't want you guys to think that I shit on like action movies. It's really, really not that. It's really not that deep. It's, it's just that I, um, it's it, it, like, just, just like you may not like a, a certain movie for some reasons. Um, perhaps that it's like too, you know, boring or like too. Um, I don't know, like it, it, it has, it, it's like virtue signaling too much, or um, that it's, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. Like that, that's exactly it. You know, I don't consider these movies to be just bad. Okay, uh, it's it's just like my opinion on like what I look for in movies, yeah. and I like I, I respect the craft. Uh, there are some movies where I genuinely do not respect the craft. Uh, of those movies, of those people that made those movies, but like John Wick, Die Hard, uh, and Expendables, and uh, everything like that, I I respect the craft. Yeah. It's not a movie that I would choose to watch um, per se myself, but it's it's a movie that like doesn't act like it's something that it's not. It's a movie where those people said, you know what, we're gonna do this, yeah. and we're gonna we're we're gonna do this fucking like incredible. A scene and it's gonna be fucking cool and shit's gonna explode and we're gonna shoot and stuff and it, when they go for it that's like in my opinion like that's that's great you know like they they make movies for certain people and they make it with heart and they obviously enjoy it and they're obviously good at it you know yeah. like don't you know don't think that i'm shitting on these movies just because like the, 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 I don't consider the writing to be uh, on on par. You know, it's just it's just my opinion. It's something yeah. that I look for in movies. Oh, and, and, um, and I wasn't I wasn't calling you like that. You were shitting on them. I was just I I think like a lot of the critiques you have. I'm like, well, you know, it's one of those things that like none of no action movie really like an action action movie. Like there are good movies that have action elements of it. You know, mm. like well written, well directed. You know great storyline that cover all their bases that have like action elements of it but i don't ever think you're really gonna ever find like uh an a plus plus like storyline and like backstory and covers all mm. the bases and canonizes and stuff in an action movie i just don't well think i think like happen. tarantino movies like do this quite well I yes feel like. tarantino does it phenomenally and Boondock um, Saints as well, like Cotier no, made me was, watch as yeah. well. Very well written, very well. Uh, yeah, like I, I feel like those movies, like in my opinion, again, uh, they they provide a much more like character depth and story depth, uh, show us motivations and uh, give us an arc uh, that we can believe and that we can sympathize with because because the the characters are laid out properly mm -hmm. and their dialogue makes sense. Yeah, I think uh, like it's a, human. A great example of that would be Django Unchained. Oh, it's got I was action, about to say that. Yeah. The Django Unchained is it's 
fucking a master. I, I, look, it, it's, most... it's a great, it's great and subtle criticism of uh, slavery South too, where they would do something like say, like, I don't oh, think I it's very subtle. <laughs> well, it's subtle in some parts, like uh, how Candy wants to be called Monsieur, but then he doesn't speak a lick of French. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and good, then the not so good. subtle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, he shoots exactly, the Bible. Yeah. Ver- he he shoots the Bible verse against the guy's heart. What? But in, in a sense, yeah, like, kind of like the point that I was making. I don't think any of those movies were written and intended to be an action movie. I think well, I think to I be think like a difference a, a, with a drama or a, a just a good, well-rounded movie that has action elements to it. Like John well, think... Wick was written to be a run and gun, shoot 'em up action movie. The Expendables was written to be a run and gun, shoot 'em up, big explosions, blow stuff up, you know, all that stuff. But and but like Boondock Saints and Django Unchained and stuff, I don't they weren't written to be those kind of movies. They were written to be like a more a more serious movie that tells a good story that has action elements to it. I think that that's what I was trying to get at. Like like, you know, a, a just a straight up like action movie isn't going to ever have the greatest writing. I, mean, I get that. Maybe maybe like like what's in the focus, right? Because yeah. with Django Unchained, like the the focus is on the critique, perhaps of of slavery and those times in the American South. Uh, whilst um, whilst John Wick, like its focus is the action, is yeah. is the path to vengeance, which which is uh, you know shown to us and portrayed through. Uh, through action and act, like action cinematography as well, like that—that yeah. that was the focus. Whilst Boondock Saints is um, uh, like Irish brothers that are that are fighting uh, f- for some kind of justice yeah. uh, that they see, and Django uh, Django uh, again like some kind of um, uh, so social justice in in a way as yeah. well. You know, like those see, those feel more uh, like movies that were like. Bill like originally kind of conceptualized is like more of like a drama, but then let's throw some action into it. Well, I guess the case with Django Unchained is that the action really fits well because unlike because it doesn't try to say oh there are certain approaches to slavery like protest. It says no, you got to burn this shit down with violence because that's how it's done. Yeah, I mean I'm all for violence though. So I think I mean yeah, for me. Tarantino films are literally in their own category and because they're, they're in their own world. So Tarantino makes films that he doesn't give a shit if you don't like it because he knows he likes it because he made it yeah. from start to finish. So it's like, I don't know. I put Tarantino in its own category or in his own category yeah, because he, he, to me, all of his movies are fucking home runs. Yeah, his, his movies Absolutely. aren't like, oh, this is an action or this is a drama or this is a comedy. Like, with him, it's this is a Tarantino movie. It's a, it's a unique he, blend of bad shit that just works so well. Well, I yes. think he has made his own genre. Like I said, it, it's, it's it's a Tarantino movie. That's all you have to say. You know, you don't have to classify him as anything. It's just it's a Tarantino movie, and that explains pretty much everything you need to know going in. You know. So, who else do we have left, by the way, for movie series? Uh, series uh, of movies. I, I still, I still yeah, haven't me, said me mine. Me and Jakob hadn't went. 
All right, so let's go Taylor and then Jakob, and then I finally figured out what mine is. But you guys go. Uh, so kind of to uh, go Taylor, we've already closed on it. Star Wars is a very close second for me. But a number one is Harry Potter. Um, the movies, Real, I, loved I mean, them. yeah, the books, I loved them. Well, hold on, we're around the same about, age, right? Yes. So yeah, I can get I that. Prisoner of Azkaban. Hmm. You what? My favorite was Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, yeah. So why did you? Is it just because it's the nostalgic thing, or? Nah, I don't even think it's nostalgia. Like I seriously, within the past year, have went through just about all of the original books on audio. Um, I still watch the movies and stuff like that. It was just, I mean, yeah, it, it kind of is nostalgia because it was something that I grew up on, you know. Um, and ever, everybody has better accents as well, right? <laughs> eh, debatable. <laughs> they don't have enough Irish people in there. Can we? <laughs> okay, okay. What is that? What are we looking at here for our list? What do you mean? I think that we need to um, add to it at some point because uh, we want to talk about like favorite actors or or something like that as well. Yeah, and favorite actors on there for uh, sure. Is it? Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I I know for a fact that this this movie series. Oh, I know at the top of the podcast, I was like, "Hey, this is probably going to be a two parter." No, it's this probably going to be, be a, a whole ass series. That yeah. And you <laughs> know, it's going to be like fucking you ten know. podcasts, mate. We we didn't make it through two, and it's fucking two a.m. here. It's whole, I'm, I'm dying. I have to work. Akil, you know this season. whole series has to end with a Star Wars podcast. Yeah, I, I, and that's the thing. We, uh, Coats here, myself, and Taylor were talking about it earlier, and we were like, you know, if people, if people enjoy hearing us bitch and moan and also talk about Star Wars canon or lore, then we may do again uh, a Patreon thing where, like, we'll do bonus episodes about us talking about the things that people want to. Uh, want to learn about or know about or you know deep lore canon and shit like that for star wars as a bonus episode reward for our uh our patreon supporters which i again need to go fucking make one but um so we got harry potter from taylor uh Jakob, what is your favorite movie series now i because we covered every we covered a lot of ranges now from like action to you know uh some drama stuff so on and sci-fi but i'm curious what yours is mine i don't think will be too much of a surprise it's a series that really is near and dear to my heart and i rewatch it every single year and it's already been mentioned here lord of the rings number 1 number 2 and number yep. 3 it's it's uh it's a incredible uh, just re- retelling like uh, I must confess, I haven't read the books, uh, and I need to get on that, I know. But um, the way that it's made, it's it's like a beautiful fairy tale, you know? It's, it's, it's like everything makes sense. All the characters and plot, uh, which, you know, is, is hard to attribute that much to just the cinematographers, obviously, because it was written by J.R.R. Tolkien. And it's... Um, you know, world famous series, obviously, even even with the books, even before the even before the films were made. But it it is clear, and I've seen many many behind the scenes uh, stuff about Lord of the Rings. It was it is clear that they 
were so careful and so incredibly prepared uh, and and the magnitude of all the sets uh coming together with uh with the with the way the characters uh you know live in it and have their own um have their own motivations and their own ambitions but it's all sort of it's all portrayed in this particular style that i can for the life of me describe better than a fairy tale you know because like these characters wouldn't really work in any kind of real life settings or any other like film settings either uh the way they speak the way they um you know the the way they they act, the way they whatever dress, uh, and anything that their their motivations, their um, their feelings of like honor and um, and all all like all these like powerful emotions like hope and despair are so like crystallized when in in a very um, very like strong and very individual feeling like it's it's really hard for me to describe but describe but like when for example theoden talks to aragorn or aragorn rather talks to theoden about their last charge from the gates uh when helm's deep is being um uh, is is like under siege from uh from the orcs that that talk about like last hope or or like you know ride out with me coupled with the brilliant john williams music which mm. probably will be my pick for best music as well um it, it's like it's not, <laughs> yeah <Is that> my <laughs> kind of call, call, yeah calling calling dibs on that i'm sorry about that uh anyway it's it's coupled coupled with that music and the way that they talk um it, it's like it's almost as if like all other talks and emotions portrayed in other movies uh, that have to do with hope or despair or a feeling of victory or feeling of sadness, of grief or anything like that. It's as if all of those emotions were being muddled before. You know, it's it's being like, it's, it's a bit more complex. It's a bit more intricate. And there's a bit of hope as uh, along with a bit of this and a bit of that. But all of it in Lord of the Rings is just so it's it, it's so strong and so singular so individual these very strong emotions um that are portrayed almost like many people that I've talked about uh, talked to about Lord of the Rings for them it's uh, it's a little bit too um sentimental um you know it's it's a bit too strong perhaps um where where it goes into the uh, the realms of um kitsch essentially or cliche almost but it's not cliche like you know it's it's, it's never cliche with lord of the rings oh, it's just like such to, a strong kind like of emotional out, thing i'd like to point out that uh dr ghoul over there makes, makes a very good point uh lord of the rings with all the dvds extras and all the commentaries yeah yeah definitely like i, I always watch the extended extended director scott's not that. Uh, Howard Short. Okay. No, no, the, the music producer. Howard, yeah, yeah. Howard Short did the music for Lord of the Rings. John Williams did not have the skill for that. Really? <laughs> it's you know I, what? He's he, he's right. <laughs> really? Well, John Williams didn't have anything to do with the music on that. No, not at all. Ah, oh, fuck. Well, that's my mistake. I'm sorry about that. 
But anyway, my point still stands. <laughs> Different <laughs> names, okay. Um, but yeah, that's 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 why uh, Lord of the Rings is my favorite series of movies of all time. No, and that's that's completely fair. I think, um, like Lord of the Rings, especially if you're a fan, and I can tell that you are. Um, I don't know if you really enjoy RTS games, uh, Jakob, but there's one called Lord of the Rings: Battle for Middle Earth. And I think of all of the games that are out there, that one may be something you would really enjoy. Uh, you get to either play as the good guys or the bad guys and amass armies to the scale of which the movie had. Um, there's also the Witch King expansion that gives you a solo campaign and you get to learn more about the lore uh, of the Witch King, you get to control the Nazgul, you get to control uh, special units. Um, like, you remember that unit, uh, or that that orc, I guess, I that blew up the hole uh, that was holding everybody back at a... Oh my god. Someone help me, please. My brain's not working. Because I want to say Minas Tirith, but I know I'm wrong. Um, Helm's, Helm's Deep. Deep? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um... So that's actually a playable character that you can control, so on and so forth. And I've played like I've played something like yeah, I've played like Lord of the Rings, uh, Battle at Palms Deep or whatever. This kind of strategy game, uh, RTS strategy game. Yeah. Back when I was like fucking six or something. What's like, insane? That game is still like a hundred bucks today. It's fucking dumb. Like it's Jesus. an old game, and it's still it holds so well that it demands that you pay the original retail price for it. And I'm like, what the fuck? I this think is I played incredible. like an older version of it. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So if you ever, if you ever are um, able to check it out, definitely look into Lord of the Rings Battle for Middle-Earth. Uh, Dr. Gould did say uh, I'd get to play as Christopher Lee, uh, Sir Christopher Lee as Saruman. Uh, oh, man, Geekgasm. And yeah, you get to bring uh, Saruman onto the battlefield. Like, again... This game goes absolutely fucking bonkers. So I highly suggest it for anyone who's a Lord of the Rings fan, for sure. Um, I think for myself, for a favorite series of movies, I'm kind of tied up here. One of them I have not completed the trilogy for yet, so I don't, I don't know if it ends well or not. But I've talked about it before on this podcast where I love dystopian things. I love it. Because, I don't know, there's just something alluring. I don't know, maybe that makes me sound like a psychopath to find dystopian things alluring. But um, the, the Hunger Games movies, I only saw the first two. Uh, I didn't read the books, but the way that they were done, the way that the different districts were segmented, the way that you almost have to like offer up a tribute in order to just keep surviving, what your tribute has to do you know, everything like that. And I even talked about it a little bit when we talked about, uh, when we mentioned Squid Game on the uh, podcast uh, a couple episodes ago. Like, this idea that this weird ruling class that ultimately lords over everybody gets brought down and there's, you know, Viva la Revolution, you know, all that kind of shit. Like, it's awesome. I love all of that. And so... You know, the Hunger Games is phenomenal for me for that. And like the art, like the, the visualizations in that movie were great. Um, the kind of psychological ties that it has, like 
oh, should I make an ally with this person? Should I not? Can I trust this person? Am I going to be hunted? I mean, come on. Y'all know me a little bit, at least by now. Uh, I play Battle Royale games all the time. Like, that's something that I immediately am just like, fuck. Like, these are these are things you have to think about. And if it's actually you in real life, like, come on. Uh, the other one, though, that I would say, and I bought the collector's edition DVD set or whatever, is uh, the Batman trilogy. Um, I really liked that version of Batman. Now, granted... I don't know if I could do this the entire time because, you know, it's got to be really hard to sit there in a full latex suit and you're sweating your dick off and you're just got to talk like this the whole time. I, I can't. Like, Have I you almost, ever watched I, the old college humor video? Yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Batman can't but, stop saying, thinking about sex. Yes. That is the best it's video. funny oh as shit. If anybody here has not good, seen yeah. that video, <laughs> go go type go in it. the YouTubes on the internet and literally <laughs> in the search bar type Batman can't stop thinking about sex. Yeah. And, and it's watch funny that as video. shit. I've but watched like, an orc before for uh, a buddy of mine's uh Warhammer 40k project, and it was the I did like 30 minutes worth of lines, and it was the most exhausting thing I've ever done. I had to take a full two days to recover from that. Honestly, like, when I did uh, the lo- one of the longest D&D campaigns I was in, I had a uh, half-orc, and literally, my half-orc talked like this the entire time. And our, our D&D sessions were, like, six hours uh, almost every other night, because uh, that's back when I used to manage a vape shop, so I would just open the vape shop at night um, for game nights. And like that's that's what we did. So I just sat there and played D and D and wrecked the shit out of my voice. But I will say, besides the entire "I'm talking like this" kind of thing, um, and all right, Jakob, uh, you didn't have to type that in. You could have said it here. Um, I don't want to interrupt you, mate. You were, no, you were you're on good. a roll, mate. What are you talking? No, no, no. But, that's but, yeah, fine. I, I typed in that. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I am working tomorrow. It's two sixteen a.m. Uh, over yep. here in Prague um so so yeah it's i hope that you guys are doing a second um yep next second quarter for this oh yeah next we'll Wednesday. be doing that okay. next week next week yep. dude. and next, next week, week uh right. the whole the whole crew should be here so i know we're missing alan and tony right now uh because yanni did come through um so we are missing two still and i'm pretty sure once we sprinkle in some tony it's gonna get even like (laughs) this was a pretty of all Uh the podcast episodes we've done this was the most tame and i think everyone's being a little respectful right now to you Jakob. i fully expect (laughs) tony to not give a shit yeah no Uh, no, that's good that's good you don't have to be respectful he just hasn't said anything that i don't disagree with yet that's fair yeah that Um, too give it a minute so it's not like I can disagree with Yakub either because he's the he's he's the writing professional here, right? <laughs> uh, the thing is, like, um, so the only reason I'm going over a little bit right now is because we ended up recording late, so I wanted to make sure we got to uh, to our average length on the on the podcast. So normally we do end around eight o'clock on the dot, um, but I know we were making sure everyone mic checked and everything like that. But uh, again, let me just uh, let me just uh, you know. Say for everybody before Jakob leaves, make sure that you check him out on Twitch. Uh, it's Y-A-H-C-O-O-B. Again, he's going to be featured for the next 19 fucking episodes that we do about these, uh, <laughs> the ultimate movie series that we're doing here. But, I'll yeah, put it in my uh, calendar. <laughs> but definitely Good drop man. him a, uh, a follow. And then um, 
I'll finish up real quick with uh, some Batman, and then unless anybody else has anything else to add for tonight, I think that's where we where we'll cut it. Now, just for you that's listening to the podcast, the entire list of shit that we have to talk about there's one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen there are 18 topics to cover and we, we covered got to two, two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but i think uh, i think the, i think the other I, um, ones will will go by pretty pretty quickly so but we said that about this one yeah. so yeah i mean i think music will go by quickly protagonist probably not villain probably not actor yeah uh, we will. We will see. We will see. It's, it's we'll going see to be. It's going to be a fruitful series, no matter what. So you know, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's fine. But, okay. but I yeah. But I will leave you at this, uh, and I will. Yeah. Join thanks you next for joining time. us. Yeah. We'll see you next um, week, brother. Yeah. See you on Friday. Thank you for everything. Yeah. Okay. See you next time. Take care. Um. So for me, again, like the reason I enjoyed that Batman was because that Joker was good for that Batman. The dirty, nitty gritty, kind of fucked up Gotham that not hand-holding kind of thing that we were used to before. Like, that's what I liked about that Batman. Um, so that's why it also, along with the Hunger Games, are probably sitting there in my favorite series of movies. Uh, yeah, favorite series. I mean, I also did say James Bond. I just now remembered. But still, I wanted to throw those two out there. Um, now, do we have anything else before we head out for the night? Anybody I have anything movie-wise? I'm going to have movie-wise? quite a lot of say about the soundtracks next week. Oh, I'm sure. Close Given... Given all of like I um I looked back on uh the the one episode that we did for just music and I was like oh shit this <laughs> this best music category for movies is gonna go fucking dumb so there is that now let me do some uh some end of uh, podcast housekeeping real quick for everybody um first of all for those of you who are listening when this drops on Friday uh I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving um if you're listening where thanksgiving is you know like observed um i also want to hope and ask that you do rate and review us on apple podcast that you subscribe on spotify whatever it is that you listen on um those little things matter in terms of metrics it helps us grow and as we grow we're able to do more things for children and if you don't know shit all about me uh my entire focus based uh like whether it's on twitch or here it's always about helping kids. Um, speaking of Twitch and all of the other social medias and shit like that, uh, if you want to chime in on the conversation, get involved, anything like that, just make sure you follow at brownlove010 on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, if you want to join the conversation live with us every single Wednesday, again, if we're not recording on a particular Wednesday, we will let everybody know on Twitter and Facebook. But we do record uh, every Wednesday live at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time until around 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until next week, podcast, I do hope that you all have a wonderful time. Take care. And, of course, from all of us to you, bye. Star Wars bye. ain't that good. Yeah. <laughs> you your mouth.